Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Former Child Star Podcast, formerly known as the Former Fat Kid Podcast. Uh, a lot of formers. I, I did some rebranding in the last two years, wanted to, you know, start this new thing, get rid of the fat kid thing. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with it. I just want to, you know, rebrand to be, uh, so people know when they look at it, they can go, oh, okay, this is what this is. I think people were looking at the podcast as though it was like a diet thing. I don't know. Anyway, welcome back. And if you're new, welcome for the first time. So happy to have you. Uh, in the last two years, I changed up a lot of things. I was doing this and then I stopped doing it. And then all of a sudden I recently popped off on Twitter. So if you're here, you may be here from Twitter. And if so, welcome. I appreciate you. Thank you. I love you. And hopefully we can grow this podcast together. And uh, yeah, my, my first guest after the two-year hiatus is a wonderful, wonderful, talented actor. He's hilarious. He's a friend of mine. We met each other growing up uh, back in L.A. This is Vincent Martella. Vince, how you doing, bud? Hey, I'm very good. Thanks for uh, for having me back after this, you know, this hiatus. I've been I've been waiting. I've just been waiting for this moment. <laughs> yeah, sure. You were sitting there like, when is Josh going to call me? Yeah, I mean, that's honestly been it since, because we met, I mean, I had to have been like 13, 14, you had to have been like 10 or 11, like we were really young. Yeah, dude, I have a picture, so I was going to show you after this, I have a picture of us I found from way back. It's unbelievably funny, uh, but it's just the two of us hanging out, probably at Oakwoods or something. Absolutely, Oakwood uh, Apartments. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably where we met each other, either that or some sort of like child star hangout event you know the how those are <laughs> oh i know <laughs> yeah, oh, just i know some weird premiere that i don't know why we got invited to <laughs> yeah no back back when you used to just get invited you would just have your publicist be like getting you invited to premieres for really no reason either like we had no business being at some of those movies it's like okay here i am at the premiere of jarhead <laughs> yes, like, oh. <laughs> I was say, what's the most ridiculous one you're at <laughs> yeah. I, I went to uh the flushed away premiere Oh, nice. It was just one of those things where I was like, my PR person was like, do you want to go? And I was like, yes. And I just was there. And they were like, what are you here for promoting? And I was like, nothing. I'm not here to promote anything. Someone gave me free tickets to the movies and there's free popcorn. So I'm here. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Vince, I actually just recently, Vincent, sorry. uh, I just recently bumped into again, just by chance. It was insane. Uh, I do a lot of improv at the People's Improv Theater in New York City. And one night, Vincent comes rolling in, and I see him, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Because I, I hadn't seen you in, what, like 10 years at least? Yeah, really, it was really crazy. Yeah, I, I legitimately hadn't seen you since I was uh, a young teenager. Yeah, you and your roommate Mikey uh, came in, and you were doing a show, and I was like, no way. And I just – I did you – did you – I – was like, dude, hey, or did you come up to me? I think I came up to you. I think you came up to me, and I think we had just finished our show. Yes, or you something. were all like blue, or yeah. you were in a costume. Yeah, I think I had just finished a show and came out still in a costume because I do, uh, I do a sketch show at uh, the People's Improv Theater. Um, it's like a variety show, and so I was, I, I would write and perform and sketches there back when you know uh, live comedy existed. And uh, I had walked out, and I ran into you. Uh, there's like a, for listeners who don't know, there's a bar out front, just like a hangout area. And I ran into you and yeah, I had, you, you came up to me and said hello. I hadn't seen you in so long. You had a show coming up because you had the late show. Yeah, I was about to do, I mean, I do, I was doing tons of improv shows there that they would just happen at all times of the night. How, so, how long have you performed there? 
Oh, uh, man. Uh, well, it's weird to have to like subtract coronavirus time from things because uh, the last like six months don't exist. Yeah. So prior to that, it had been probably like two years. I had been doing stuff at UCB and then moved over to the pit and was kind of doing stuff at both places, but sort of found like a residency there at the pit for a couple of yeah. years. And uh, I was loving it. But yeah, man, uh, it was great bumping into you again. How long have you uh, started doing sketch stuff? Because I wanted to start talking about, uh, we'll start with Phineas and Ferb, because of course it's Phineas and Ferb. We got to get to talking about it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. since you've been in New York, I know you had just recently moved to New York uh, when we bumped into each other. So how did you start getting into sketching and uh, improv stuff there? Yeah, I, I moved to um, New York in early uh, 2018. So I, I've been I've been here like two and a half years. And uh, a little bit more than that now. And um, it became an interest of mine just because I, you know, I was just trying different things in the industry, which is, you know, just kind of what actors end up doing. And you meet other people who are doing doing different things and you go, oh, like, that sounds cool. This type of performance seems, seems interesting. And, you know, I tried doing stand-up for a little bit. And obviously, that's a very unique skill you need to hone and you need to work really hard at. And um, I didn't do it very long. But in my time doing that, I just met a lot of other comedians, different type of comedians than I was used to meeting, you know, just doing you know, voiceover and doing live action and TV and stuff. And because of that, I met some people who were doing sketch. I looked into doing that and, you know, took some classes or whatever and started doing it and really enjoyed it. It was something I really liked doing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I had a show at the, uh, at the pit that I would do once a month uh, with a lot of really great people for uh, just over a year. And then, yeah, coronavirus. So yeah, well, what what was the name of it? In case uh, once this is all over, it comes back, people can come in New York and come see you perform live. If you if yeah, you bring it back, we were the New York Comedy Spectacular, and we did uh, we we would have probably like three sketches a show. We would do we'd have a stand up. We would have uh, a full jazz band, so it was kind of like a like a forties type of variety show. Um, and we have a full jazz band. We'd have. Uh, random comedy acts that would come in we'd have uh random almost like we'd, we'd do burlesque sometimes we do jugglers sometimes so we would, we would have like a really interesting lineup of cast that we would kind of switch out every show um but yeah hopefully at some point everyone will be able to do comedy on stage again yeah that would be that would be the dream i get that because uh as you were just saying like you know you sort of feel you're i think when you uh get to a point you're like man i don't want to keep doing not that you're against doing like kids stuff, but you're like, Oh, I want to branch out and try to do something different and do something live on stage. And, yeah. uh, there was definitely something about that that was calling out to me with, with like the New York comedy scene as well. So well, cause how, how long, um, or what, I guess not, not how long, but how, like, what was it that you latched onto improv wise? Cause like, once again, that's a very specific skill that you have to hone and take a long time to get really good at. Um, and so you've been doing that for years. What was it about like that process that was really exciting to you? Oh, yeah. No, for improv, for me, it was I, I think I just like loved improvising grown up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was very fortunate to work with a lot of great directors who would encourage it. Um, I I did uh, the movie License to Wed. Uh, I was every scene that I was in was with Robin Williams. And That's Robin right. Williams right. was like he would say to me like, hey, kid, like I can't do a Robin. For me, who does impressions? I can't do a Robin Williams impression. <laughs> he was like, hey, you know what? Uh, in the next scene, you should uh, just start riffing with me. Uh, but the director would come over and be like, hey, if Robin goes, and this is me using trusting me, I was 12 years old. He's like, if Robin goes, just go with him. And I'm like, okay, you know? And he was just encouraging me to, like, you know, explore it and have fun and say whatever I wanted and, and, and 
be goofy and silly. And that just stuck with me. And then as I got older uh, and I was sort of struggling trying to find work, I was like, well, my agents had recommended, you know, you should start taking classes at UCB or the pit. Everyone, everyone does. Yeah. Yeah. And then I did at UCB and I loved it. And it just sort of grew from there. It was, I think it's the freedom on stage of being able to be whatever character or say whatever. And, and just sort of, I don't know. It's like free form. It's almost like this weird, uh, bizarre acting class where you can like, you know, get on stage and like stick your arms and legs out and be a jellyfish, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah. When you see, um, Obviously, when you see good improv, it's really exciting. Like it's it's an exciting show. It's exciting for the audience. I feel like, um, yeah, it's it's you know, uh, that's really cool that you were brought up working on projects too in the industry that people encourage you to like hone that skill and start working on that. And that was encouraged with other performers with you, because um, I feel like that that varies on the set to set of like some people being like, no, don't, or just no one's doing it, and you you know you don't want to be the only person. Where you're like, am I gonna be the only one who's just throwing the script out for like a take or two? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Did you ever uh, uh, get into any kind of like commercial acting, or were you able to? Or did you never like do that that much, or was it always kind of TV and film and, and like doing like like TV like, like commercials? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I definitely did. Um, I grew up in Florida, and that was the only acting in Florida. Really, was commercials. Like I was doing local theater, and then you know I got an agent because someone was like, you were good in this you know this show in uh, in, Le, in Les Miserables was it yeah that I read yeah, up and I, I did my uh, my research was that is that right or no, no, no Nutcracker I was, I was the doing Nutcracker like, the Nutcracker yeah I was doing like Nutcracker and I did like a Beauty and the Beast show and stuff and I, I muffed it immediately I said I said uh, Les Miserables I meant to say Nutcracker See, no no I thought you were joking at first I was like oh no, yeah I that's did, definitely no, how I, I no I read I read uh, I was trying to read like trivia and stuff and it was the Nutcracker I that's think funny. right yeah, 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 it was. Um, no, I, I did like, uh, I did a bunch of commercials in Florida, like before I went to LA for pilot season to like, you know, try and become an actor on TV. And uh, I think one of the most popular ones I did is I did like a Pringles ad and it would play all the time on Cartoon Network because I was really big into like uh, Toonami because I was watching like Dragon Ball Z and, Hell yeah. uh, and Gundam. And uh it was this commercial. It was a Pringles Prince commercial. So they had like trivia printed on the chips. And I was like a game show host. I think I remember this commercial. Yeah. And like I was in like the uh, I was in like uh, a cafeteria and it would turn into a game show. and I'd ask people questions and then obviously eat Pringles. Um, but I told friends of mine, like my now roommate, Mikey, I would known him for like many years at this point when I mentioned that I did that commercial. And he had a moment like that where he was like, Oh my god! I think I remember this commercial. I definitely remember this commercial. I'd have to. I'm sure it exists on YouTube somewhere. Yeah. You know, I, I would watch and be like, "Oh my, holy shit! That's that's you." Yeah, that was like the popular one that I did. That was like, "Oh whoa! It's a commercial that plays a bunch." <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because uh, I know that, especially now. I don't know if you go on many commercial auditions now, but they really, you know, every room you walk into, they're like, "Must be good at improv," because they want you to like help write the jokes in the script it's not that it's not a problem i'm not knocking any commercial writers if you're uh you could please hire me i'd love to do a job but <laughs> yeah, um, many many ad men who are listening right now we're yeah sorry. exactly <laughs> yeah uh but so you know my agents were saying that's you know really focus on improv for that too so that's kind of another thing that helped uh, yeah absolutely yeah and i mean especially with like adult commercial acting that's very much the like are you a comedian? Are you good at improv? You better have experience because, yeah, they want you to come in and be 
hilarious for you know yeah. the, the 30 to 90 seconds yeah dance dance for us um <laughs> well so let's talk about growing up for a second uh because I have it written down here, Nutcracker, and I literally say Les Miserables. This is the it's this is what happens with two years. It's rust. It's rust. That's we're knocking we're knocking off the cobwebs together, dude. Knocking off the cobwebs. <laughs> uh, what uh, at what age were you interested? Because for me, it was kind of like my family wanted me to do it, and I was never against it. But you know, when you're four, I started when I was four or five. Yeah, you were young. I was like, yeah, I was into it, but I was also like, I want to eat sugar, and I don't really know what's going on. Um, but were you someone who wanted to be into it? Did your family want to get you into it or how old were you? I mean, I, I think the reality of any of these conversations that probably you're going to have, you know, with you know, the people you've already spoken to on this podcast as well. I mean, it's just anybody who's a child actor, like, yeah, you have a desire, like, cause you like performing or something, but obviously there is family influence there because how else in the world does a kid become an actor? Yeah. Um, like there, there's something going on there and you know, I've, I've, as you get older, it's certainly something like you discuss with your parents of just being like, you know, like, I, I guess, you know, you were kind of making some decisions here because, you know, I'm, how can I make any decisions? I'm, you know, I was like seven years old. Um, yeah. And so it was, you know, someone tells your, your parents that your kid is talented or your kid's a ham or your kid, you know, whatever key phrase. Ham, ham's had. the, ham was me. Is, yeah. uh-huh. Like, oh, such a ham. It's like, well, that doesn't mean that they're going to be a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> it just means you can pinch their cheeks on screen. Yeah, that just means like we like attention because we're kids. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, so it was like, it was a mixture, obviously, of both. And then by the time that I was like wanting to go to Los Angeles, though, when, when I was like, a, you know, 12, 13, when I wanted to do that was because I had worked on commercials and met other young actors who were like, I just went out for pilot season. That's how you get on like Disney and Nickelodeon. That's how you get on like real shows. And I was like, well, yeah. that sounds kind of cool. Like that sounds like the real deal. And is that how, oh, sorry, go on. No, just, and, and that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, is that how, is that first pilot season? Is that how uh, you ended up on Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide? That's exactly how I ended up on Ned's Declassified School Survival <laughs> Guide. Yeah. Did you, um, did you ever audition for like Nickelodeon stuff when you were young? Like, so it's very uh, interesting because I didn't. I did a little bit, but I uh, am not. I'm not knocking anybody. I'm not. I when I was like, this is more of a knock against me. When I was like twelve, so I started doing movies kind of like very quickly, and uh, I got my first like big movie role. I did uh, Greatest Game Ever Played, the the golf movie when I was nine. Yeah, you were young I, doing that movie because I, I knew I like I knew you from that movie when we had met. Like I was like, oh yeah, you're in that movie. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I, I remember it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So well, so I did that, and then I did Nancy Drew, and then I did License to Wed, and I was like, I had this total mindset where I was like. I don't need to be on a Disney show. Like I'm a, I'm a movie actor and like, I just, but it was so, I'm not, I'm not saying that was right. I look back now and so many people, including you, including so many talented actors went through those shows and came out on the other side uh, as amazing, talented working actors. And looking back, I probably regret not going out for more of those shows because you get so much exposure. It's so great. But, um, I kind of had this mindset where, I mean, it wasn't just me. I talked it over with my family and had this mindset where I was like, well, I want to be, I want to keep doing movies. I want to be like a movie actor that then, you know, eventually hopefully could get on like an, an NBC show or, you know, I did a couple of NBC pilots and they just never what picked were they? up. I did a show uh, called My Life with Men 
that was Wendy Malick, and uh, the cast was Michael Angarano, um, uh, oh god, uh, Sam Lerner. That's how I met Sam. It was Mike okay. Angarano, Sam Lerner, comparable Sam uh, Lerner. Yes, uh, uh, who was a friend of the show? Um, Pyfrom, Sean Pyfrom, and then me. And I was the youngest brother, and the ca- and the idea was that it was like Wendy Malick was a mom in a house full of men, and it was called My Life with Men, and it was her dealing with this. You know, it was very like 2002, you yeah, know. Yeah, sitcom 101, baby, right that's there. Like, that sounds like oh, comedy to me. We put a woman in a house full of men. What Whoa. could go? Wow. <laughs> so uh, it didn't get picked up, and then I did. Uh, did you go out for uh, when they did, Bravo did Situation Comedy? Where they no. did the making of a sitcom. Bravo did a reality show where they did the making of a sitcom where huh. they they did it on in, they followed two different shows through pilot season and uh through the creation of the show. And one of them was called Steven's Life, and it was written I don't know if it was written by, but it was directed by Fred Savage. And uh it was He directed one of these me shows. on uh, on SD Classified. I love him. What a sweet He's, guy. Isn't he wonderful? One of the sweetest people on the... I, he's someone I would love to get on this at some point. He, talk about a child actor who got through it yeah. and is now a brilliant director. But he's a wonderful guy. Really great. How was he... Uh, was he just, like, the nicest in terms of, like... like Obviously, he's an actor's director, but just, like... I felt like he was always just so encouraging, like, on set, too. Just being like, dude, do whatever. Like, you're a kid, man. Like, make your choices. Do it. You know, do your thing. That's one of the things that I was just about to say is that... He, not just as an actor's director, but he was a child actor. He knows, yeah. he knew, he knows what it's like. So I think he loved working with kids and still loves working with kids and giving them the freedom to be kids and have fun and, and, uh, you know, create that environment that he probably loved or had growing up. So yeah, what a brilliant guy. But he cast me in Steven's life, which was a pilot that was made during like the making of this reality show it was a very complicated bizarre thing but they made a pilot it was me i was the lead it was steven's life i was steven it was like this like little man kind of guy who was like you know ruled the place but it was like a 12 year old uh and like george went was in it and sherry o'terry was in it and like Whoa. it was like a hell of a cast and it didn't get picked up so uh i look back now and you ever look back and like think of things like man if that if that show, because I you did a pilot for a show that I saw, um, with a huge stacked cast, right? Uh, I forget the name of it, but it would. When I looked on IMDb, uh, Zoe Deschanel was in the cast, and oh no, I think this is just a bad IMDb thing that no I'm way, on. no way. What is this show? Oh god, what was what was the first? Wasn't it called? Oh god, I didn't even write it down. Oh wait, no, I okay, I did I did a show that like I didn't do like a pilot show. I, I was on a show on Fox. I just had like a like a guest star on with like Molly Shen and Chris McDonald and like Jason oh, Schwartzman. That's the show. Yeah. Okay, so I thought that that show was a pilot. When I looked, I thought it only had one episode. No, I was only in one episode, but it didn't even make it to my episode. Like it, it got that was like the first TV thing. That and Nezzy Glassfire were the two first TV things I did. And yeah, with like an amazing cast. And um, Mike White created it, and it was called Cracking Up. And yeah, just. Like Jack Black was in like the first two episodes because they obviously done School Rock together, and it was just like, as most unfortunately shows on Fox end up being, just dead, just yeah. nothing, and didn't even make it to my episode. So, was there anything that you did uh, that you were that it was like a pilot or something that you're like, man, my life would be so different if that got picked up or if that 
you know what's weird is like i um i had a mo- i had a moment of like there was a what if that i made the right decision which was um i right when i was booking everybody hates chris um which was a sitcom i worked on for like four years as a teenager um i was screen testing for that the same night that i was shooting the pilot um of a show called stacked with pamela anderson and um and christopher lloyd was on it too and they were already reshooting the pilot because they lost so many people from the first version of the pilot and so they're reshooting it and I got an offer from that pilot and from everybody. It's Chris being like, either way, you'll be like a regular, um, stacked wants to keep you as it tell like the pilot tested well, it was going to get picked up. And then I hadn't done the pilot of everybody. It's Chris yet. Cause I had just booked it. And I was like, well, everybody is Chris sounds way more fun. Like I want to do that. Like that sounds yeah. like a way more fun. And that was just a really good decision. Cause it was, yeah, a, it was you know, a great show. Well, and just the people I worked with, they're so much fun. And I'm glad, like, I, I had that experience, too. I mean, I, I just learned a lot, obviously, as anybody does working on set with good people. Um, but so, like, I don't have any, I didn't book a lot of pilots. Like, I, I got, I, you know, I I had stuff that didn't work out that was, like, I worked, I worked on cartoons that didn't go anywhere and stuff later yeah. on. But um, nothing that was, like, oh, my God, like, I know this is about to be it. So, yeah, you, you as well as many other actors who I've talked to, have more of those experiences because I just didn't book a lot of pilots. Yeah, well, the things that you did book, uh, you got some great luck because you got some. You're on some great shows and a part of great things. I mean, everybody hates Chris was obviously a uh, wonderfully uh, critically acclaimed show. Everybody loved it, and <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm sure you had a great time uh, about that. So that was. I mean, how old were you when you did that? That was got to be your early teenage years. I was like years? thirteen. I was like thirteen through seventeen. Yeah. So damn, um, you worked right through kind of that uh, what we would call the awkward phase. Uh, oh, yeah. puberty and yeah. how did that how did that feel how did that weigh on your kind of like your I mean to be very blunt like your self-esteem being like oh I'm on TV as a 14 year old who's like going through puberty and is like I feel awkward or yeah and two like I mean obviously you know I'm sure uh, as was obviously the, you know as we discussed you know, kind of what this podcast gets at is that's just a weird exp- like I feel like people go like you meet a couple of people who are child actors who very much know what that means when they're on TV and are very much, you know, sunglasses, fucking yeah. And they're, you know, they're like very into themselves and like know that that gives them some sort of status or that's a cool thing. Definitely not the case for me. Like, I don't know about you. Like it's, you don't know what that means exactly. You know, you're doing something very cool, but um, it was just, it was more so like, you know, you're exposed to a lot of adults. um, And so like, your formative years are, but like, I was still going to school. Were you being homeschooled? No, I was going to school. I was in public school. Yeah, me too. I was in public school too. Um, and they would film every day. It's Chris odd schedule wise, like where like most shows shoot for listeners, most shows shoot, you know, July through, you know, January kind of, we would shoot like April or May into like September. So that most of the cast was kids. They didn't want to have to school yeah. us. Yep. Um, and so I was still just back at high school and, you know, kids at that age, everyone feels really weird. And, you know, I'm playing like a nerd on TV, this nerdy, um, terrible with girls kid. And that's just a weird kind of image to have anyways. And then you're dealing with just the normal awkward stuff of like, okay, I'm like a grown up kid. Um, 
some people just think I'm the worst. Like, did, did people just assume you were the That's worst? That's what I was going to ask you. Like, did people just fucking hate you for no reason? Yeah, dude, people, yeah. like, they just are, like, I, I once was in a class in high school, and this girl, I, I said something, I, like, answered a question, and the girl was like, oh, my God, just because you're in movies, you think you know everything. And I was like, what? It was so... It was just such a strange thing. I would get picked on by some people. Now, I don't want to make it seem like I was, like, you know, bullied across the board. I have wonderful friends, and I was actually, you know, people were really supportive in, in high school and stuff, but there were still, and middle school, but there were still, you know, people that were like, oh, what's up, Ace Ventura? Like, what are you doing? You know, why aren't you any more movies? Like, they just sort of feel yeah. this, oh, because we know you. We have this excuse to, like, ah, oh, we can fuck with you. Yeah, I mean, as you, as you just said there, too, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's in no way was I, like, relentlessly bullied or something. It was not that at all. It was just I would hear from a lot of other people, like, oh, no, that dude, like, hates you just because, like, thinks you're, like, Hollywood kid. And it's like, well, most people in high school have a thing that ends up being, like, the, th- like, the thing that makes them feel weird or the thing that, you know, like, everyone's got their own thing in high school. So I by no means had it really terrible. But I, I remember, like, it clicking for me when I was like a senior in high school. And the weird thing about Everybody Hates Chris um, was that was a show on, do you remember UPN? Because that used to be a network. Is that the network it was on? I always thought it was on like- uh... It was on UPN and then WB and UPN merged networks um, season two of the show, like as we started filming season two of that show. And it was on the CW, which is what those networks became. That's what I remember it being on. But then it didn't, like, it was, it did fine on the CW. Like, CW was very much discovering that it was not a comedy channel. Like, they, they don't want to do comedies. That's not what it was about. And uh, we ended up on Nick at Night, like, right after we finished. It immediately got syndicated. So I was in, like, 10th, 11th grade, and it ended up on Nick at Night. And then it got really popular. Really? Well, I guess it was because I, I knew you and I was kind of like, oh, you know, when you see a buddy doing something like even just from childhood, I, I so I didn't really re- even remember. I guess that's true. You know, I, I didn't realize I remembered it being on CW because I'd be like, oh, yeah, there's Vince. But uh, yeah. I never thought about. Wow. So that it had a good run on Nick at Night then. That's what well, that's what like and that's why it clicked for me by the time I was like at the end of high school. Was That's when like most people at my high school had definitely seen that show. It was on every night, like, on Nickelodeon. Like, it was hard not to see it. Right. And, um, you know, it would come on, like, after The Nanny. Like, it would be it would be on. It was on, like, a weird – because it was an 80s show. Yeah. Um, and I remember talking to a teacher of mine um, and her just kind of discussing with me, like, yeah, I mean, you also have to think about, like, the weirdness to other people, like, other kids of this age, to just see someone at their school that they did just see on television. And that's just a weird – that's like a weird trip for kids in general to be like, wait a sec, what? Like, what are you, why are you here? Yeah, that's um, a really, uh, it's a really smart teacher you have. That's a nice, that's a smart thing to say. I never, because I, I never really thought about that growing up. That's a really good point. You, you, yeah, these and kids I, and have I didn't be like, realize that. Bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah, that was something I was like, oh, I guess I like, just my presence weirds out kids because kids aren't used to ever having to deal with that. And now it's like, okay, this like, what's going on like he's here like half the time and then the other time he's like doing tv stuff i don't it it, it got i don't know did it get better for you after high school where you were like you kind of could look back more on it and be like i don't know like maybe like obviously like it could have been worse or like you know yeah yeah i mean uh i definitely had 
some experiences like that where I was like, oh, this is, you know, where people were like, this is weird, whatever. But then, yeah, afterwards, I think once I went to college, because I went to college uh, in New York City at the School of Visual Arts, and there it was a film school, and there were a lot of people there that were in either, like, family were in the film industry or something like that. So it wasn't as strange uh, for them, because they were like, oh, yeah, this is just a guy who's a part of the industry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I also, like... I had a very weird, my, my teachers loved me and I had a lot of friends, but the teachers and the principals and stuff were all super supportive to the point where it was like, it was weird. Like it would, I'd be walking yeah. in the hall and they'd be like, there's Josh. Like what movie are you going to do next? You know, kind of thing. I felt like I had this weird preferential treatment at the school, which probably fueled people to be like, fuck that kid. Yeah. No one's going to like that. Everyone's going to be like, dude, I, I knew I didn't like this kid and, and look at all the people who like him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, looking back at it now, it obviously makes you who you are. And I think that, I think that it's good to kind of get grounded like that, uh, in a way I'm not endorsing bullying by any means, but I'm saying like, <laughs> you know, a lot of people, a lot of people do. I'm sure, you know, a ton of people who are in this industry that are kind of fucking assholes that are yeah. grew up, uh, getting everything they wanted and acting like they deserved everything. And still to this day, feel like they deserve everything. And, yeah. I mean, um, like any other, uh, you know, situation where you find some people who have had a lot given to them, um, you know, people think that they deserve it and, you know, they're better than other people. And obviously, um, there's a ton of toxic things about the entertainment industry and Hollywood. And, you know, it's, yeah, I it can, it, you know, it's, it's an easily corruptible thing, um, as is, I believe, like, you know, obviously any kind of, a power in a situation is so like that fame or, you know, that success or the monetary, you know, success too. It, a lot of those things I like, especially with kids, like I'm never totally shocked when I would, you know, hear some story about someone like Justin Bieber or something. Like, I don't know that guy at all. But like when I would hear people complaining about something that he did when he was a teenager or something, it's like, could you imagine like, the little amount of fame that like either one of us had, like in in the grand scheme, I'm sure this doesn't offend you, but like just no, in the grand no, scheme, I, I am agreeing with you 100. percent Yeah, just the grand scheme of fame is is like give that times a hundred to someone who's 15 and all the money and the ability to do whatever they want. In what universe does that person become a good person? And not just that, they're like so sought after too. Like he is. Someone like Justin Bieber, it's funny because at the time I remember being, you know, there was that there's jealousy at the time because we're, you know, he and I are like the same age. So yeah. I was like, man, you know, this kid has everything and I'm jealous of it, you know, and like, you know, oh, he's peeing in buckets or he's being a little shithead, you know, fuck this guy. And now I look back and I'm like, man, if I was given all of that and had every teenage like I'm a teen I'm 15 I have like every teenage girl throwing themselves at me I have companies throwing all of their money at me I have every single I'm gonna be he is amazing he's not a worse person and he seems to be trying to be a better person now no it seemed like he's it seemed like he's you know figured a lot of that once again don't know this guy and I don't yeah yes you know, exactly yeah we're not, this is not the out, Justin Bieber podcast his, yeah his is such a good example of just like not surprised when some people turn out, you know, in Hollywood, really terrible to people. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. You have enough people telling you that you're the best thing ever. You start to believe it. And, you know. Well, yeah, when you're a kid, I mean, it's it's really weird, too, because you're so malleable, you know, like you have so you have such an ability to be 
uh, for people to to push you know all these agendas and these things on you and you're just like yeah that's i deserve all of this i this is what's right this is what i should be you know so uh it, it's weird when you could when you're on set and someone's like do you need anything and you say I'll take a grilled cheese sandwich and then you get it in like 20 seconds. And then it, yeah, then it appears. <laughs> and it's like exactly the way that you wanted it too. It's like, it felt like smart house. You remember that movie? Uh, yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know. Get me uh, a grilled chicken sandwich with no lettuce coming right up. And it's like in a second you have it. Um, yeah, it is, right, well, it's wild. Anyway, let's move on to uh, Phineas and Ferb because we're a half hour in and I want to talk about the, the big, huge—I mean, Phineas and Ferb is Phineas and Ferb. It's—it's it's got one of the greatest followings I've ever seen on the internet, and I've obviously followed you on Twitter. And your fans are relentless in the best possible way. They're just like—they yeah, love you. you. They love the show. It is beautiful. It is such a charming, sweet show. I wish I watched it more growing up. It was—I love animation, and it was always a show that I would like. I'd be flipping through, and I'd stop and I watch an episode. I'd be like, God, this is just so sweet and so fun. So. Uh, I don't know. How did you get involved? Obviously, you probably just auditioned for it. But what was the process in getting involved in that and, you know, ending up making it such a, a, a an amazing, uh, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, a, a polarizing. It's such a popular show. Yeah, it was. I mean, obviously, you know, what an incredible lucky experience to, to be along for this ride. I mean, because we I worked on the show, just the show itself for 10 years which is a really long time to work in any profession to work on in one place. Like that's, that's a really huge chunk of time. And yeah, I auditioned for it uh, normally, just as you said, you know, and um, my audition kind of got lost um, in the shuffle. Six months went by, they booked an adult actor to play Phineas. And then um, uh, a wonderful woman in casting um, named Sarah Goldberg, uh, you know, refound my, um, Kind of audition tape and was like wait a second guys um to you know dan and swampy the two creators dan Poppenmeyer and swampy marsh showed it to them and was like what about this though like I, I don't know if you guys have heard his tape and i was as i said living in florida they called me and yeah six months had gone by since i auditioned for this thing and they were like we want you to record this pilot and so I recorded it, and uh, you know, the way did they you do it, it. Did you do it in Florida, or did you go? I, I did recorded you go to it studio behind and... Disney World, um, wow. where Hollywood Studios is. They still have a bunch of studios from back when they thought you know Orlando was going to be the next Hollywood. <laughs> I did Ace Ventura there because yeah, they were like Orlando is Hollywood. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know you did, man. And um, so yeah, I worked in one of the studios back there, and I shot the majority of you know the first and second season there when I was still living there, going to high school. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they liked what I did. And, uh, I mean, they had, they started writing that show in the early nineties. The first time that they, they were working together on Rocco's modern life. They were writing partners, Dan and Swampy. They loved working together and they were like, if we could do this forever, like if we could write something to do together, they would. And so in 1993, they started writing Phineas and Ferb. So this was, I mean, years and years of them pitching this pilot. To studios and it falling apart and not going somewhere and then so the irony of it becoming such a popular show for so many um people for so long was that they had spent so much time um getting rejected and it not being a successful thing and uh so yeah isn't that, I, so, I nice. Isn't that so nice when that works when you hear like a story like that when yeah i mean they yeah they really i mean they had 
Swampy was living in England at the time. Like he had, a, a, Dan pitched it alone to Disney and he was like, I think they really liked it. I think you need to like move back. Um, so it was just, you know, a crazy, uh, as most things are just a crazy bunch of events. Where did, uh, where did the voice come from? Cause I know it's like sort of a, a pitched up version of your own voice. It's got a little bit of a, a thing to it. Yeah, no, it's like, well, Phineas kind of talks like this and he, you know, he's very excited a lot and he's very energetic. And uh, that voice kind of came out of, uh, you know, obviously for any listeners who, who don't know much about auditions, they give you a breakdown of the character. They tell you what the character's like. And something that they really stressed about Phineas is he's very happy, very creative, very energetic. And he really is never upset. Like he's not trying to, he's never trying to pull one over on someone. Like that's not what the goal is to Phineas and Ferb. Like though Candace wants to bust them, that's her own thing. Like that's her own stuff that she wants to do like that's her own mission Phineas and Ferb are never trying to be you know we just want everyone to have fun so that was something with the voice where I was like you know I want a voice that when people hear it it kind of naturally makes them smile and it's such a bright voice so that's where I got that from did you uh did you ever feel nervous that you were gonna like age out of the voice or anything or did you like your voice would change? yeah yeah I mean I started working on the show when I was 13 and so that's yeah. right in the middle of the voice change so I kind of got lucky that I was using a different voice. And I mean, you can definitely hear it in the, in the earliest episodes that, you know, it's, it's a little different. Um, but then I, you know, it, it smooths into what it becomes a couple episodes in. And not only that, but it was, it's a process. And you find this with a lot of animated shows when you listen to early seasons of them. A lot of the actors are trying to find a voice that not only like really fits the character, but then they smooth into like, this is where I can do everything vocally for this character. This is where yeah, I can... Yeah, because all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, I can say these lines, but uh, I can't, you know, sing this way, which obviously, of course, the songs of Phineas and Ferb are so incredibly popular. Oh, uh, dude, our, our writers are amazing on that show. And, you know, our music department, Danny Jacob, who runs all of our music, I mean, they, they really, they have different genres of, of music for every episode. And, uh, and so, yeah, obviously, that's another part of it is, a lot of the songs that they write, they end up having to write them in a very specific range. Because if Phineas goes too high, it kind of sounds like a helium sort of situation going on. And if, <laughs> yeah, if Phineas goes too you see low, it like this all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't want it to sound like it's all falsetto or something. Yeah. If Phineas goes too low, he doesn't sound like Phineas anymore. So those are all things that I learned working on. A, you know, I didn't really realize that, but I guess it, it's like, oh, that makes enough sense. You know, you know, you find all that stuff. Yeah, I uh, so uh, about you know this and and being a part of your childhood. I did. I was lucky enough to do uh, some voice work when I was a kid. I never uh, had like a long running show. Yeah, I was gonna but, ask you uh, about voice work if you had ever done any. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did quite a few things. I did a lot of the uh, buddies movies. They were like Air Buddies and Space Buddies and yes! Snow Buddies. <laughs> yeah. I did. I played. I played Butterball in like four of the movies. Who's one of the dogs? But you know, it was my That's own amazing. voice. It was my own voice though. So it was lucky. I, I aged out at one point, and Robert Vince, the creator, was like. Like he called me when he was like, Josh, like you can't do it anymore. I'm like, no, I can. I can still be Butterball. He's like, it sounds, you sound fucking insane. I'm like, I know, I know. I'm you like, sound full... weird, my guy. We gotta. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's like, they're puppies, dude. You can't be like, hey, what's up, you fucks? Like, let's go, challenge. Yeah, yeah, you just smoked a pack of cigs walking in. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I did that. I did uh, Horton hears a who, which was like one of the big wow uh, things that I did. I did. That's uh, amazing, dude. Those movies are great. Yeah, like all the I movies that Blue Sky does, because that's Blue Sky Entertainment, right? 
I believe so. I was yeah. like, uh, I was that was in my my five year window where I was like the it kid, and then they threw me out, chewed me up, and Dude, spit big me mama's out. Mama's house too, baby. Let's go. <laughs> they chewed me up and spit me out. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I did. I was a baby kangaroo in Horton Hears Who, so I know a little bit about uh, you know voice record or voiceover and animation stuff growing up. Uh, I always thought, but this was just a personal thing, or I don't know. I always thought that was kind of the coolest because it was like. You got to go in in like your, you know, your sweatshirt and your, you know, jeans, whatever you wanted to wear. And you'd be like, you do like three hours of work or four hours of work. And you'd feel like you were like, you know, really accomplished. And you got to be in a comfortable booth and eat and drink whatever you wanted. And it was fun. <laughs> and then afterwards, you got to be like, holy shit, I'm a part of this beautiful, animated, gorgeous thing. And animation yeah, like to 10 me has later, been- episode comes out and you're like, whoa. Yeah. So was it for you? Were you was animation something you were always super passionate about or were you like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then if I book something, I book something. Well, I as we talked about pilots that didn't get picked up, I worked on one other animated pilot for Disney before I worked on Phineas and Ferb. It was called Can You Dig It? And it was a 1970s kids cartoon. That was written by the director of Recess. If you remember Recess. Oh, I love Recess. I did too. And it was the only time I've ever done an ensemble read. So the whole cast was there. We all recorded and booed together. Which no one does. Like that's just, no one really does that. Um, And that time I met Ashley Tisdale, who then became my sister on Phineas and Ferb. She was there also. Um, And that that was like a year before I I booked Phineas and Ferb. Um, And so when I did that, I thought that that was really fun. But what really solidified it was I went to uh, Buena Vista Studios in Los Angeles for my Phineas and Ferb audition, the one that I did not get booked for. Um, like they, you know, the one that got lost. But I went there to do it and I saw that studio and I saw just like the animation on the walls of the animation cells of just, you know, how a background and characters are placed in front of it. And I was just seeing like the history of that studio. And I literally said to my dad, he was like taking me to that audition, excuse me. Um, I was like, I have to work here someday. Like, this is so cool. Look at all that. Like, this is, you know, this is a Pinocchio on the wall. Like, this is really cool. If I could be a part of something like this, where people remember it and grow up with it, and it's like part of that, I was like, that would be the coolest thing. And I got really lucky working on a show like that, that, you know, that a lot of people grew up with, that that meant something to them. So, I, I, I mean, that is the hands down the greatest job like no offense to anybody else I've ever worked with but Phineas and Ferb has meant so so much to me in a lot of ways it's, it's been really wonderful that's so kick-ass I love hearing that that makes me smile it really does yeah thank I love you yeah story. man uh so the movie that's coming out because I'm probably going to put this out obviously listeners this we're recording this a couple of days before I put it out I'll probably put it out on Monday or Tuesday because the movie comes out next week right yeah it comes out a week from today when we're when we're recording this um because we're recording this on a Friday it comes out on uh, August 28th on Disney Plus and we've been working on it for like two years and it's really, really fun. Um, I think that they did a pretty good job of doing something with the movie that introduces new people to what, you know, the Phineas and Ferb universe is, as well as has all the same stuff in the series that, you know, people enjoy. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely really excited about it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for people to see it. I think they're going to like it. Yeah, what, what can you tell? I mean, I'm sure you're doing some press and stuff, you know, doing little things here and there, but what can you reveal for, for the the listeners who've made it this far that are diehard Phineas and Ferb fans? Is there anything that you can reveal yeah. and not ruin anything? No, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of stuff I can mention, which is, you know, uh, it 
the film uh, involves, uh, it's called Candace Against the Universe. And uh, Candace is kind of our actually, you know, our protagonist in this. Um, and so she goes on an adventure that Phineas and Ferb end up having to uh, kind of save her from. Um, she thinks she's found a utopia, but it's more than what it seems. Uh, is kind of sure. the, the bit. Um, can't tell you too much other than that. But we have really great new additions to the cast. We got Ali Wong, who's awesome. so insanely talented. She's playing um, a really important villainous character. Um, we've got Wayne Brady in it. Oh, God, I love... I think Wayne Brady is the most slept-on talent in the industry. Dude, he's so good. He's so, so good. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Do you just love his work? I think... Well, so, going back to improv, yeah. I am a massive Whose Line Is it Anyway fan, and that guy used to... I, I, I was... I didn't. I'm like like I am right now. I speech every time I'd watch him. I was like, I gotta do this. I gotta do what he's doing. I want to learn how to do these improvised songs. How to, I, everything. I was. I think the guy is a genius. I think he's brilliant. So I'm happy to hear that he's doing this and hopefully does more and more and more. I think he's a genius. I couldn't agree with you more, man. Um, I couldn't. Yeah, but um, yeah. So we have a lot of fun stuff in the film. I think people will like for sure. Is there is there any fun uh, Perry and uh, Doofenshmirtz uh, stuff to look forward to? Yeah, I mean, I love the Perry Doofenshmirtz antics as uh, Dr. Doofenshmirtz is played by one of our creators, Dan Poppenmeyer, and just some of his, because he's, you know, he's acting off of a silent character a lot, so <laughs> right. his stuff is just so good. Um, they, uh, what's interesting about this movie is, is Dr. Doofenshmirtz is actually with us um, for a lot of it, um, and so he actually gets to interact with characters he never gets to interact with, because... Phineas and Ferb never deal with him, um, right. and neither does Isabella. Like most of our main characters, don't actually ever deal with this evil scientist. Um, and so it was just fun to be had with the fact that he makes inventions too, and sort of Phineas and Ferb, and how do those kind of you know characters interact? Um, but yeah, they have a lot of fun stuff. Sure. And the last thing I'll ask about uh, about this is that is this, uh, and you could you could choose to not answer if you don't know whatever. But is this? potentially the end of the road for Phineas and Ferb or could there be more? Do you know? Do you not want to comment? Yeah, you know, uh, the way that we're um, kind of talking about it right now is uh, we didn't think we were going to do this. We really did not think we were going to get a chance to bring these characters back to um, the fans. Um, I think we're kind of going to listen to uh, to what people want out of it. And uh, we're going to kind of listen to whether people want us to keep, you know, doing them Phineas and Ferb adventures and, in what way that's going to be, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, we were really excited to to even get to. I mean, seriously, like it's been you know it's been five years since the last episode premiered, and so just the fact that we got to do this was was a real pleasure. So if it is, it is. But um, I'm truly not sure at this point. Sure. Yeah. Well, I want to uh, continue on to uh, outside of that, where you've also gained uh, some crazy awesome popularity i'm loving watching your sketches with you and, and your roommate mikey yeah. on on twitter and instagram uh where did all this come from you just felt like you start throwing up sketches and and i'm loving these roommate antics and you up in the cabinet i was like i can relate to that yeah so, me, and my, me and my short guy jokes i yeah i, I, like I, I, I know him well Josh. we're short kings we're yeah. short kings together vince yeah no i mean um mikey and i have uh, been writing partners to be the um the new york comedy spectacular together at the pit and so, obviously, with quarantine, we were like, well, let's just shift and pivot to doing a lot of online content, um, as you know very well, um, in your own, <laughs> you know, your own yeah. Twitter explosion that you're having right now. <laughs> yes. Um, it's weird, man. Yeah. So, we've been doing sketches now. Um, we do want at least one a week, sometimes two a week. And uh, 
yeah, people can watch them on our, our, our Twitters or our Instagrams. Have you, uh, how has the Twitter fame been? Dude, it's uh, it's weird. Uh, I'll, something that I wasn't expecting was the DMs. The DMs oh, you get are a lot of weird ones. Yeah, I get a lot of weird <laughs> ones, man. I get a lot of weird ones. Uh, a lot of it though, I've really embraced it. I think it's fun to. One of the things that I've loved is always wanting to kind of cultivate like a community. Uh, just in general, I think it would be a really fun thing. I I love the idea of actors or performers whatever having you know like groups of fans that are really dedicated as you do and i i think it's so cool and there are people who uh loved nancy drew growing up and and yeah. loved to either love to or love to hate uh ace ventura jr yeah. uh so you know what i've embraced all of that and um i've obviously been trying to reinvent myself as as an as a performer and as someone who can still act and create and and write and make silly fun stuff but also i'm not afraid to go back and dive into the past and have some fun there but you I've know never what seen they, that for sure yeah man they love it people love it and uh i had a very strange childhood and uh <laughs> There, the people are loving it, man. It's it's some of these picks that you that you've pulled out are just so good. I'm like, oh my god, awesome. awesome. I have some absolute insane ones, just like cocked and ready to go. I can't, I can't show all of them, you know, at once. It's no, gonna have yeah. to be like over a year or something. But I found the one that I found a picture with you that I'll probably tweet when I after this. I'll probably tweet like, hey, you know, I'm recording this. We're gonna have yeah, this up. like an ad. Good. Let me little, like, send it to me too because I want to. I want to tweet it as well. Yeah, a little promotional thing. Um, but yeah, I, I my mom had like 20 uh, SD cards from like old digital cameras. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. And yeah. I put it in my computer, and I was like, you've got to be shitting me. The stuff that's in here is insane. Um, Dude, it's, and it's weird, because I don't know if you, because you, you said you've experienced some of this, but, like, because um, I've only been, like, decently popular on Twitter now for, like, a couple months. Like, that started, you know, in, like, the middle of summer. And, you know, it's, it's great, because I'm like, I'm like, oh, awesome, as you said, with, you know, kind of just being like, well, this is kind of the comedy that I do now. Like, everyone check this out. Like, I, I want you guys to see the type of work that I'm doing and what I – Kind of the, the antics of like the humor that we you know we're, we're trying to promote on Twitter too, but then with that popularity, which obviously you know you you know is coming, like you know it, you're like, oh okay, people are gonna really really hate me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. That? But it's still so jarring now. Like it's still so like, oh, I guess uh, I guess people totally hate me too. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh John uh, John Man One Two Seven thinks that I suck. Harry ass. Okay, thank you. I I don't know you, but thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, was that just weird for you to get like used to going on that app and be like, oh, that's a really personal. I I didn't even know that about myself. Yes, 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 and no. Because growing up, uh, I probably did something that I shouldn't have done, which was go on like IMDb message boards and see what people would say about me. Oh yeah. And oh man, there was nothing a fourteen year old who hated the way you looked more than seeing like. Who is this fat, shitty piece of shit that they picked to be Jim Carrey's son? Horrible. You know, whatever. Horrible stuff. But yeah. yeah, I got a I got a DM the other day that I, I had tweeted. It was someone said, You look like uh, a mixture of Ben Wyatt and <laughs> Mr. Bean. And I was like, fuck. Like, oh, now I can't unsee it. <laughs> I was like, fuck! This is so I hate this. Uh, but also that's, you know, the fun, silly stuff. And the more I talk about this, there will be people who are like, oh, I'm going to DM you now because there's yeah. no way. Yeah. And, they'll and just say like, yeah, it's, it's just, the, it, that's the, such a funny comparison to make. Cause it's like, like yeah, they're going to point out something that like you didn't even see yet, 
And yeah. now you have these strangers pointing out something. You're like, oh, I guess that does make me ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck, dude, I suck. It's so bad. You're like, oh man, I'm. I thought I was. Yeah, like I'll get people, you know, just saying something like. Uh, Another person, I get Adam Scott a lot, who's Ben Wyatt on yeah, Parks yeah. and Rec. People yeah. are like, oh, you look like Adam Scott. Uh, and the other day I got one that was like, you look like a chubby Adam Scott. And I was like, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. This ne- it was so necessary for you to add chubby in there. It got made it. me feel so good. Uh, and then, you know, it just it adds to it. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm super happy that you're uh, that you're blowing up on Twitter as well. When did that all just start happening through like Phineas and Ferb related stuff or other or something else or because I, I just I, all yeah. sudden... I don't I don't I honestly don't know um wh- like why why it started um but um you know the the good news about that went like with it started as obviously I'm you know you're doing too because your did your start because of the the Ben Shapiro one mine started so in a two day span I put out two impression videos. And both independently got like 1.52 million views. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, the So I had 4,000 followers on Twitter on Friday. And by the following, I don't even know, is is this the week? Is it is, is today or has it been two weeks? All I know is like within five days, I had gone from 4,000 followers up to I now have 34,000 followers. So okay, it's yeah. been it's been like a week and a half total. But in like the first three days when I put out the two impressions back to back, it went up from like 4,000 to like 15,000 in like a 24-hour period. Yeah. It was absolutely batshit berserk. And I then I just just tweeting stuff and it was just going viral. Like I got broken up with by this girl – and I, I did tweeted, see that. I just didn't want to mention <laughs> it on the pod. I didn't know no, that no, was it's off limits here. It was, <laughs> no, hey, man, nothing's off limits here for me. Uh, I, but, yeah, I got she, she, you know, said that uh, things weren't working out. It was fine. We'd only been seeing each other for a few months, and she's very sweet. Uh, but I told her, I was like, I'm probably going to tweet about this as a joke. And she was like, yeah, whatever. Like, that would be something that I would do. Yeah, so yeah. I, so I did. And <laughs> it got, like, 350,000 likes. It went, like, oh my God. like, vi- like viral. Yeah. People were like... DMing me like, are you okay? Like whatever. I'm like, yeah, I'm actually fine, but uh, I just <laughs> thought this is funny. Um, I'm just making then, jokes about it at this point. Yeah, man. So I felt like like I was made a Teflon for a few days. I was like, everything I tweet is amazing. I'm a god on this app. Yeah, hey, we're literally just it's because it, it, it feels that way for a second too, where you're like, because because I've had a couple things blow up, not nearly as big as yours, but um, I've had a couple like jokes do really well, and I'm like. Well, uh, you know, I guess it was the exposures. People just weren't paying attention. And That's I'm, exactly what funny, it is. I got funny things to say. Just not enough people were looking at it. And then it's you like, tweet like "haha butthole" and it gets yeah. like thirty likes. <laughs> it gets like thirty likes, and then you're like, "Ah, oh, shit! Maybe I was just actually tweeting something good." And now and just, sometimes I'll be like, "I'm like, whatever. This one's for me. No one's gonna care about yeah, this." Dude, <laughs> like this one's for me. Fuck you. This one's for me. This, this is, is me. my joke. I'm having a laugh about this. I had two drinks, and I think this is hilarious. I'm tweeting. I tweeted a joke today that's going that's gotten like baby viral. Uh, it's got like thirty thousand likes. I tweeted, uh, uh, "Baby, what did it? What was it? It was babies. <laughs> uh, babies be like, help me, or I'll literally die." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just this very stupid. It's so funny because saying it out loud is so dumb, but reading it as a tweet, yeah. yeah, reading it as a tweet is so. It, it's just like you. I wrote it down. I was like, "This is gonna be a good tweet." Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's well, it's all. A, it's, it's a specific type of, as you as you know too. I mean, every different type of you know comedy that you're trying to do or whatever you know, uh, you know, with sketches and with you know improv and with whatever it is, it's just, it's like a different type of. You know, you're writing something that like almost wouldn't work in any other format. 
but then you like write like as you said where it's like if you say it out loud it's not as funny but if you're reading it you're like ah, nice like, <laughs> <laughs> sick this works I like that. <laughs> I like that one. That was good. Uh, and then everyone starts liking. You're like, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. I knew this one was good. And yeah, then I, I tweeted about a breakup I had. It did not. It, it went like decently viral. Not not like yours. It was like because this is years ago. Um, we were just like me and this girl. Like we just we weren't you know right for each other. And we like yeah. kind of talked about it. And uh, in the midst of this conversation about like not seeing each other again, she had to let me know that Phineas and Ferb would never be as popular as SpongeBob. <laughs> and it would just it would never be if they're not on the same plane of existence and i was like i was like well i'm cool i mean okay i didn't <laughs> it was very much like a like a but one more thing um, yeah what an insult never. like it's such a that's such a specific insult like for yeah. that person to say is like Oh, and also the show that you're on that's great is never going to be as popular as It'll never be most... this good, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like, oh. <laughs> okay. <I> guess, okay. <laughs> so you tweeted that and people seemed to love people it? People responded well to that, but yeah. But yeah, it's, it's just weird talking about just random, you know, our life things that sometimes people like these pictures of you as, as a kid. It's sometimes like, it's like I never thought that I'd use these like ridiculous stories about like my very particularly weird life. That now yeah. people are going to get a good yuck out of. Yeah, I'm so happy that my mom uh, had a digital camera and I was, Mom, stop taking pictures. I'm so happy that she took all the pictures that she did. It's so. Joke's on you, Mom, because. Yeah, joke's on you. were right. Now now I've got 13,000 <laughs> yeah. likes. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the last thing that I want to say, we've already hit 57 minutes. It's been almost an hour. Uh, this has been so enjoyable. I've loved having yeah, you on. Yeah, I've had a great time. Uh, well, I want to talk about a couple of things that you have coming out. Uh, now, if I checked IMDb, if they're right, I see you're in uh, in Batman Death in the Family that's coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I am. Yeah. Um, so actually, uh, this weekend, uh, DC is doing like an uh, like DC Comics are doing a, a thing called Fandom, which is an online sort of um, Comic Con of sorts for them. It's on the 22nd, and they're um, they're going to do it a secondary date, I believe, as well on September 13th because there's just too much there's too much content. Um, for the fans to see, but um, people can kind of check out like panels I've done for this cartoon. But it's it's called Batman: Death in the Family, and um, I play Robin in it. I play Jason Todd, um, and it's based off of um, you know the comic in which Jason uh, Jason Todd uh, dies, uh, which was a very famous kind of fan decision to make him die um, in the the comic Death in the Family, and. Uh, it's it's uh you get to kind of choose the different paths it's like you know you get to choose different paths on the blu-ray of will he die does he not die does he survive what does that mean if he survives from like this event with the joker and so it's something that new that dc's trying to do in like a um in a very interactive way but it's really cool because uh john dimaggio like legendary voiceover actor oh, john dimaggio God, i love him yeah uh, he's you know bender and futrama and jake yeah. dog and adventure time to name very few He's playing the Joker in it, and he's fantastic. Bruce Greenwood, just a great actor, is playing uh, Batman in it. So, yeah, I have that coming out. It officially comes out on October thirteenth. That's when the movie comes out. But um, awesome! Can't yeah. wait to check it out. That's gonna be that's gonna be great. I, that sounds fantastic. Uh, and then also, uh, Shallow Water. Is this a yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's another true thing from the internet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, make sure. Yeah, Shallow Water is a film I shot last um, winter in North Carolina. It's an indie uh, drama, like sort of coming of age uh, drama about a bunch of friends uh, throughout the course of three separate 
um, vacations that they all take together and kind of, you know, shows in good indie fashion how everyone changes, you know, throughout those periods in your life um, when like major events happen at three separate times. Sure. Um, and that was great. I worked with a lot of really cool actors and actresses in, in, in that movie. But, uh, but yeah, that, that I don't know when that's coming out yet because we don't know, like festivals. I don't know. Yeah, it's what. so hard nowadays with, with like indie films like that. You make it and then it's like, who knows what the hell is going to happen? So yeah, and that's already that was always you know, uh, because I mean you've done uh, big Hollywood movies. I, I you know I've done <laughs> big <laughs> Hollywood movies. Yeah, I don't know if how many indies you've done, but like that was already the situation of like, well, I don't know what, what's going to happen now. And even yeah, I've more done so I've now. done a couple, and and yeah, there. I mean, that's also where you put your heart and your soul into it, and it's a lot of fun though, because the yeah. big big Hollywood ones are they're fun, but uh, the small ones are might be even more like tight knit, and you get closer with everybody, and uh, and, and it's yeah, great. everyone's like working under weird circumstances in indies a lot of times, and so you you definitely end up with really interesting like good relationships with people of like yeah, we're all doing a thing together. There's not a lot of us, and we all better like we can get this done. It can be good. So it's, it's interesting. I don't know if you feel that way about it, but yeah, no, I, I do. I, I, I did one uh, called chasing yesterday quite a few years back now. It's probably like four or five years ago. And it was filmed in my hometown. Actually, uh, the director, Joe Pernice was from my hometown and uh, he got a really great cast together. Uh, Eric Nelson was the main character. I don't know if you ever met Eric. He was in he did a sure. bunch of stuff. He did a couple episodes of like iCarly, but he was also, uh, he's in a, a bajillion things. Um, but yeah, it was like a very tight, it was, we shot for like 20 days and it was just kind of like this really, you know, make it happen. Everybody kind of, I luckily am from this town, so I slept in my house, but yeah, you could go back to your house. Yeah. yeah his house, he had like, you know, the crew sleeping on the base in the basement, you know, all yep. sprawled out, staying up till all hours of the night, dumping footage and then getting up the next day early and shooting. It was a very unique and fun experience. Uh, but yeah, man, indies are, indies are fun. Um, but I would definitely recommend making big Hollywood movies <laughs> if you had the opportunity. You know, I, 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 it's not for lack of trying. <laughs> yeah, hey man, we'll get, we'll get there. Uh, I gotta, I gotta ask, was it just for a sketch that you did the blue hair and then you just left it, or did you do it before that? You know, I want, I wanted to do it anyways. Like it was something that I was like, I knew. Obviously, everyone knows you can do whatever you want right now, and you know, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Not like I knew I'd be working anyways. Like, well, I was definitely gonna book something. It had right. COVID not happen, but um, no, right now, like anyone has that ability. Ironically, I did do it right before I started doing press for the movie, because um, like that all just started picking up in the summer when I did it. But um, knowing I was gonna do it, it was like, can I do it for a sketch? And then me and Mikey uh, wrote a sketch about it. Um, and yeah, I'm glad we've been doing so much. Uh, so much online content that's been such a fun uh exper- experience in itself of, of doing these sketches so it was fun to like put that to use in a very yeah. ridiculous way yeah man of course uh i guess we could wrap it up the last thing that i'll ask is that it without trying to put you on the spot you can say no but is there anything that you or phineas would like to say to uh to anybody right now uh, uh any listeners yeah that, uh, absolutely sure. um you know, I hope everyone enjoyed this podcast. It's a shame that me and Josh haven't seen each other in so long, but true friendships really last, and uh, I'm glad you all had fun. <laughs> I love it. Vince Martella, everybody. Oh, what is your, your Twitter and your Instagram? And I'll, I'll link it all when I post it. Yeah, but... yeah. Uh, my, uh, my Twitter is at uh, Vinman17 um, and at uh, uh, Vince Martella on um instagram so yeah i I guess when you link it uh, people yeah yeah amazing i'll I'll link it all together thanks so much for doing this bud uh i hope you stay safe 
Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk more outside of this. We can, you know, uh, be friends in real life. I know, uh, right? Well. Yeah. Once, once I'm back in New York, we can hang out, socially distance, wear masks, and, uh, yeah. and hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, hey, man, thank you seriously again, and thanks for being the uh, the welcome guest to bringing the podcast back. Hopefully this gets a lot of listeners and uh, the podcast can keep moving. I'd love to have uh, your roommate Mikey on and, uh, you know, a bunch of other people too, obviously, in the future. But uh, we'll see what happens. But thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad I could uh, I could come on, Josh. Thank you for inviting me. All right. Thanks, everybody, and uh, I'll talk to you soon.